This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Well, hail to the victors for the first time in 26 years. The Michigan Wolverines are your undisputed national champions after beating Washington soundly 34-13. We're here to break it all down, get your takes in the live chat as well, right here on a national championship reaction edition of the 3Tech Pod. One man. Goodbye. Hello. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. They get it to Roger. They get it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end Four-man Alabama rush. Got him. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? Well, just a sound bludgeoning that Michigan just handed out to uh, to Washington. A 15-0 perfect season for the Wolverines. And uh, Garrett, I, I think we got to give you the floor here for for a second. Um, you've been on board the wagon all season long. Um, not always pretty. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Not always pretty. Not the traditional, conventional, modern victory for Michigan. But uh, at the end of the day, they are standing undefeated top the last four-team playoff in college football history. Yep, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and go straight to uh, the first comment from Teddy for the night. It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. It is a fantastic night for those guys. Super pumped for them. Obviously, congratulations to all of our Michigan fans. I have been on the bandwagon for a while this season. Um, super pumped to have been welcomed to the bandwagon, obviously. Um, and yeah, I just, I think it was really, really cool to see what they were able to do tonight. Um, obviously we'll go down and break down the whole thing, but kind of the formula that I said would play out ended up happening. It was all about finding a way to pressure Penix, get in his head, get him off his rhythm, letting your DBs make plays. Obviously you knew that they were going to get theirs at times, but you were saying, Hey, if we can just make some plays on the back end, we're going to be okay. And just do what Michigan does. The style of football Michigan plays is wear you down. Right. It's run. It's force you to you know do something good. It's put the pressure on you and it's slowly but surely wear you down. And through the game, that's what happened. This game was close all the way till the very end. And then it didn't look so close all of a sudden because that's what Michigan does. It's not pretty. It's not what Michigan's supposed to. Michigan doesn't win games with style points. Michigan never would pass the eye test. Fortunately, uh, going 15 and 0, uh, you, you don't need an eye test for that one. You get to carry the trophy anyways. So congrats to all my Michigan fans. Congrats, Teddy. Super pumped for y'all. Um, and, and, you know, what a season, right? What a, what a college football season. We'll obviously recap all of that, but wow, what a season. And, and so cool to see Michigan end up on top at the end of it. Yeah. Trey for your darling, the Washington Huskies, they fall just one victory shy, uh, an incredible year for Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix Jr. And a company, a very talented roster there in Washington. Ultimately though, they fall one win shy of the ultimate prize it really felt like physicality was the difference uh, tonight it absolutely was and you could tell from the word go right like michigan marches down the field on that first possession we see donovan edwards come out of nowhere with two long touchdown runs it was good to see him back and part of the game plan he had kind of faded over the last half of the season i feel like um but yeah it really was the physicality that told the story of this game. So I, you know, 
coming into this one, I thought Mich- uh, Washington's offensive line would hold up a little bit better. They passed the test with flying colors against the Texas Longhorns last week, but Michigan's defensive line was just too much. They got pushed. They gave Penix problems all night. They knocked him on his butt several times to the point that he was hurting by the end of that game. You could see him just grabbing at his uh, side, wincing in pain with every motion that he made. So, you know, kudos to Michigan for just like they did against Alabama, just controlling the tempo, controlling the line of scrimmage. And ultimately that gave them all the advantages they needed. They tried to go away with it, away from it in the middle of that there. And I'm sure Michigan fans, you know, as a neutral, I was, you know, Mitch and I as neutrals were just, you know, screaming at Michigan to keep running the ball. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Michigan fans out there were, you know, just ripping their hair out of Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore, just wondering what they're doing is JJ McCarthy, you know, had had a McCarthy-esque game, right? He made some big plays. He moved the chains with his legs, but they did not want to put all the burden on him. That was not the game plan that they had. But for a little bit there, it looked like they were leaning towards that, almost just like Texas did. But Man, it just just a great performance from both lines on Michigan. Offensive line opening up holes for that run game, giving McCarthy just enough time, and the defensive line just wreaking havoc on Washington's offensive line. Well, uh, before we get into the breakdown, have to get our, our ad read in here um, for the good brand. They've got a new, I believe, six-piece drop over at homefieldapparel.com celebrating the victors, your Michigan set in entirety is over at homefieldapparel.com. You can use code 3TechPod for 15% off. Or if you go over to Twitter, shop through our code that I just posted. Um, it'll be at the top of the feed underneath this live broadcast. You can find that code. If you just shop through that code and your return uh, guest, you still get the discount. You help support the show and uh, obviously get your new championship merch, whether you're um, a, a Michigan alum, a Michigan faithful, or heck, you just want some really cool gear. Homefield Apparel has got that for you. Um, Trey, you bring up a good point because it, it it wasn't the prettiest game from JJ McCarthy, but it really hasn't had to be all that beautiful. It hasn't had to be the Michael Penix esque performance. It's been the running game and it's been the physicality defensively. Um, I tweeted out at one point, Michigan went away from running the football in the second half. They were averaging almost 12 yards a carry at the break, and they came out and they kind of, it felt like they got cute at the end of the first half, kind of kept it going into the second half to the point where I was going, I don't know if Washington has made the adjustments or if Michigan has gotten cute with the playbook. In reality, I think it was a combination of both, but once Michigan, it almost felt like woke up and realized, okay, we really need to get back to running the football then it was smooth sailing. The defense took over. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. goes 27 of 51 for 255 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. I don't know that there was another game this season, maybe outside of that Arizona State debacle, where he averaged as few yards per attempt as he did tonight, just five yards uh, per pass for Penix Jr. Uh, it was the immovable object stopping the unstoppable force here tonight. Yeah, it absolutely was. And, you know, Washington schematically made a lot of adjustments throughout the game on the defensive side of the ball. And we can break that down here in a little bit and how Michigan kind of weathered that storm. But offensively, Washington just looked out of sorts for most of the game. And credit Michigan's defense for that. Credit the defensive line for generating a lot of pressure. Credit the defensive backfield for hanging with that talented group of receivers. I know they had some coverage busts. I know Roma Dunze was wide open a few times and Michael Penix just missed him a couple times. But, you know, overall, they held their own in that defensive backfield. So not in a, in a way that not a lot of people have been able to do this year. So that really that really threw the threw off the groove of that Washington offense. They were, you know, chucking it deep on second at 10 when it felt like they needed to just get five or six yards and get back on schedule. And then they're running routes short of the chains on third and long just seemed like they really didn't have an answer for what Michigan was throwing at them defensively. And it, it was really uncharacteristic. If you're, a, you know, just casual fan tuning in and watching Washington or watching a college football game for the first time, like maybe an NFL fan or, you know, just checking out the top prospects for the next year, you're walking away thinking Michael Penix is just another guy. And this is not who he has been all year. That's a hundred percent of credit 
to that uh, Justin Wilcox-led defense. It has been phenomenal all year, and they showed out one more time tonight. Oh, Garrett, Michigan came out to start the game, and they they punch Washington in the mouth. They drive down the field. Donovan Edwards has a big touchdown run. It felt like, oh my gosh, he's back. It felt like Donovan Edwards had had been almost retired as a Michigan Wolverine. He comes <laughs> back, uh, immediately scores. Washington has no answer. Michigan again punches back. It's fourteen to three after the first quarter. I'm sure it felt like to you as it did to most of us. Oh my gosh, we might get a blowout here in a, a second consecutive national championship game. Yeah, I mean, it was starting to look that way. I mean, the the problem obviously is Michigan doesn't make it easy on themselves. These are two playoff games in a row where they were continuously shooting themselves in the foot and refusing to, you know, make you know whatever adjustments continue on whatever path they needed to. And, and, you know, it was, it was interesting to me when I was looking at the, the drive charts, because when you look at the drive charts, they have some success early on. They go in, they score the touchdown, they score the touchdown, they kick the field goal. Things are rolling. You know, you're a little upset they had to kick the field goal, but you take the points. Okay, whatever. And then there were three straight stops on defense for Washington. And you're starting to say, okay, well, here we go. And they're getting away from their identity and they're trying to throw it a little bit too much, trying to get a little too cute. And, and, and for me, the play that I think kind of broke them out of that a little bit was that big scramble from McCarthy. And was it late in the third or early in the fourth, whenever that was where they were backed up. It was a great punt. And it was just kind of that full quarter of punting battles. And there's just this one where he just got him enough kind of field position, kind of reasserted themselves and put Washington's defense just a little bit back on their heels. They didn't end up scoring on that drive, but kind of flipped the field back and showed them like, Hey, we're not completely done. We're not completely out of it. And I think that's kind of what set them up to remember, Hey, like, this is still who we are. We can still keep playing this. And, and man, like the, the defense, I don't think you can continue to credit them enough. Um, I think the, the thing that will get lost in all of this, and, and this is one thing I want to make sure that I'm keying in on is this was not Washington on an off night. This is what happens when good teams play a great defense Right. This was not just some off night. It wasn't just that Michael Penix was missing throws. It wasn't just some weird, quirky thing. And we don't have any idea how that happened. That's what happens when four guys are getting in your face all night. Right. That's what happens when you can get home, even when you're not bringing a blitz and you never feel like you have time to, to really roll out, find your guy and, and you know, sling it downfield. Especially when, you know, corners are playing as well as they are. They're fitting into tight windows that puts pressure on a guy. Right. That, that does put pressure on a guy. And, and you know, Washington, certainly not without their faults. You know, there were a bunch of drops, but at the same time, like there was physical coverage. There, there was a lot going on that, you know, you can't get into a rhythm and you can't just get into that mentality of like, OK, so let's just keep the offense rolling. Let's keep the offense rolling and, and you know, keep catching balls down the field, keep catching balls in rhythm. It's hard to do that when you continue to get stopped and you continue to get out of rhythm and you continue to face long situations where your play calls are limited, right? It, it seemed for a while the only thing that was working was screens for Washington. And so, you know, when I look at this, I think you really have to credit Michigan's defense on this. They showed up. They made Penix uncomfortable. You know, Might have been a couple penalties both ways we don't like. But, I, I mean, that, at the end of the day, that's football, and, and Michigan's defense did a good job getting against them. Yeah, and you know, to your point, like we're mentioning in the comments, Austin made a good point that nine drops from the Washington wide receivers. That's uncharacteristic. This is I think both things can be true, right? Like Washington played their worst offensive game in quite some time. Certainly looked polar opposite of what it looked like when they played the Texas Longhorns last week in the Sugar Bowl. But at the same time, what you're saying, Garrett, is absolutely true. When you're playing a worse defense, you have more opportunities to make up for right. that. And so you can absolutely, you know, you, you can find the find the inches in other plays. There's going to be more opportunities where they're open. You just see it more often when it's a great defense because the one bust all of a sudden becomes that you don't hit all of a sudden becomes, you know, the swinging momentum in the game. So, right. you know, absolutely credit Michigan's defense. Washington just out of sorts on offense. The pre-snap penalties were a big problem. The hold or phantom hold that wiped out the big game when it looked like, you know, it just it was always something with the Washington offense tonight. Every time it looked like they were going to get it together and punch back against Michigan, just something happened. A pre-snap penalty backs them up five yards. They drop a pass that was going to convert on third and medium, right? Right. 
something happens that gets them off of the rhythm that they're trying to build. And they just can never get both of their feet going in the same direction at the same time. It seemed like tonight. So a lot of that is credited to the Michigan defense. And, you know, I think they're going to be looking at that game film and really kicking themselves as as, whenever they do watch that, that they drop missed a lot of opportunities as well. I I think that's a good point. Uh, The offensive line for Washington certainly had maybe their worst game of the season. Uh, while Michigan's pass rush took advantage of that and got home, right? I think a big point that really held Washington back was Dylan Johnson's injury and in, in the fact that Washington had no running back depth behind him. I, it was true freshmen that were coming in when Dylan Johnson goes down on the first play of the game, right? He's got a banged up shoulder. Mm-hmm. He has his ankle get landed on. He's the absolute walking wounded from the very get-go. Washington is 46 yards of rushing to go along with 255 yards through the air. The Wolverines rushed for 303 yards on 38 carries. Like that right there kind of is the, the tail of the script, right? Because Penix then has to do everything through the air. He has to throw 51 times against the best secondary in the country. His wide receivers are dropping balls left, right, and center. It just wasn't in the cards for Washington Whoa. tonight, right? Like you, you can't get away with, probably one of those mistakes against a team like Michigan, let alone a recipe of mistakes. I mean, let's be completely honest though. Like running the football is not really a big part of Washington's game. I think there've been like maybe two games all season where the running game played a massive factor in them winning that they, you know, they keep it balanced. They keep it interesting. And I'm not saying anything about, you know, obviously having Dylan Johns would be a, a huge advantage, right? Having him on the field is a huge advantage, but this was already going to be a mismatch just on paper ahead of the game because Washington doesn't run all that much and Michigan is elite at stopping the run. So, you know, for me, I didn't think they were going to run very much at all. It really showed up out of the backfield because there were a lot of guys trying to catch the ball at the backfield that, you know, they did make mistakes. And I think about the one, it was the, I think it was like third and five. And it was, you know, I think it was when it was that seven point lock for a little while. And, you know, the, the running back flares out little wheel and, you know, hits him, no problem, but just a drop, right? And it should have been a converted first down. But again, that's kind of back to what I was saying is when you're out of sorts, when you're out of rhythm, right? And you're not, you know, doing that continuously, that does affect your psyche, right? You're going back to the sideline every drive going, gosh, man, what are we doing? Like, you know, we got to get it together. Come on. Like, here's a, here's a better idea. What are the coaches seeing? Let's, you know, psych each other up. Let's go. And then you get back out there and you still have that running in the back of your mind. You're not a complete fresh slate. You're still thinking in the back of your head, like, okay, well, I really need this. I really need to pick this up. And so when it comes time for that big third down, third and five, and it's time to go, and if they call your number, that that will lead you to, oh, gosh, I need to do this. And then you can sometimes psych yourself out. So I'm not saying the mistakes were completely just because Michigan psyched them up. But, like, I do think you have to give Michigan's defense the majority of the credit here to say, like, you guys made mistakes, but, you know, there were some drops. There were some big plays, too. And, you know, there's a basically a, a bend-but-don't-break defense. They could have scored a touchdown opening drive, and instead Michigan's defense holds, forces them to three, and kind of set the tone even from the very start. Well, I've got an interesting question based off of this, and it comes from a Jim Harbaugh quote from the post game. He said, and I quote, I've said it before, but right here, this is the greatest quarterback in the University of Michigan in college football history, end quote. Now, there's a graphic that Haynes Fawcett tweeted out that gives kind of the accolades for, for J.J., right? 27-1 and one career record. He wins a national championship, three conference championships. He's a first-team All-Big uh, Big Ten selection this year, the Greece Breeze uh, QB of the year this season, and then the Rose Bowl MVP. Now, I know this is the heat of the moment, and I know this is uh, obviously, you know, what you're supposed to say as a national championship winning head coach. This has got to be a little bit of adrenaline running, though, right? I mean, McCarthy went 10 of 18 for a buck 40 and had a 58 QBR. Did he mean best quarterback at Michigan ever or best quarterback ever? The, the quote is the greatest quarterback in University of Michigan and then he kind of stutters in college football history. Oh, well, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I love the kid. I think the one thing that he's not going to get enough credit for is how competitive he is and how much he was willing his team to victory. 
And you can do that even if you're not having your best game or even if you're not super efficient through the air. You can still have a leadership presence. You can still, you know, there's some stuff he did with his legs that was really good. The the big play for me that kind of broke the whole thing was when you had the um the the big catch to the tight end. I think it was, you know, he was having to climb the pocket, yeah. step up, makes that throw. That was just a, a backbreaker, you know. And there's and a so, damning screenshot from that play. <laughs> that's that's the drive that is the drive after uh, that was like two plays after the yeah the, the holding call against yeah. washington uh but no well, you're like, right again, you, you can call it tiggy tag like it does i get it. it some stuff's gonna get called and then you know this is why maybe you yeah. don't hire acc refs um and that's <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna say that sec refs, maybe big 12 refs or something but um no i, I just you know that's that's part of the game um and, and there were missed calls probably both ways but man, like that that play, it was one pass, but that play was huge in that yep. game to flip the field, put Washington back on their heels, ended up scoring the touchdown to put them up two. And then you started to feel like, okay, well, this game is pretty much out of reach. You know, maybe not quite. Maybe Washington could swing something, but based on the flow of the game, not quite. But again, love JJ. He competed. He fought hard. He deserves the win. He deserves to feel good about this. This is a great resume best quarterback in college football history i feel like i could you know name like 17 off the top of my head <laughs> i feel like he means michigan history that's what i'm gonna take this in, in michigan history i'm okay with it there's probably some debate but like I, michigan's not known for having elite no. quarterback play so I, I, he might be the best quarterback yeah. in michigan history and if he's only counting college i'm okay with that because there was that tom brady guy who who was at michigan too so who split time in his fine split time like exactly. if you're talking just college football then like okay maybe but yeah i don't know that's if he's talking all of college football that's absurd and you know that he's definitely taking an nfl job if that's the case because he's just saying whatever he wants to on the way out JJ to me is the ultimate, like you love him if he's on your team mm -hmm. quarterback, right? Like a guy that is not okay. Realistically, should not be up for national awards. Um, he's just he's not that guy when it comes to playing quarterback. I think I think JJ McCarthy is an elite system quarterback. He's a great game manager. He's what Joe Burrow was in 2018 before Burrow grew up and became a stud, right? Like. Sure. He's really good at not turning the football over. At Here comes the Heisman campaign. This is what Mitch is saying. No. Is <laughs> he out of eligibility? He's done, right? Is he done? I don't know, maybe. I don't think he I think he. I thought he had one he more. he come back? I'm looking it up. I thought I, he had one more. I thought he was done, but Michigan fans in the comments, tell tell me. Uh, the only thing wrong here. Yeah, yeah, is he, not I, disrespect Chad Henney. I'm He's not. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying this is, if, if this is your quarterback, you love him to death. Right. You probably know in your heart of hearts he's going to be holding a clipboard at some point in the near future, right? Like, likely not the next Tom Brady and winning Super Bowls left and right, but he clearly has so much value to your specific team. And in JJ's case, I think he's now the patron saint of system quarterbacks. In in my mind, maybe maybe we need to print the T-shirt, get home field on the line. Yeah, I mean. You can't argue with the results, though. I mean, the system is working. 89.5 QBR this year, third in the country in QBR. So it's not like he's, you know, it's not like they're winning in spite of him as he's a right. system. No, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he does have one more. He can come back. I looked that up just now. On three said he can come back. Um, and so, yeah, like, I mean, look, he, he should come back because he's not going to get drafted very high <laughs> with the way that he plays right now, There's but, you know, give him, give him another year of, you know, development. He's good with his legs. He's athletic. He, you know, he's a lot more mobile than you can give him credit for, you know, he, he could, you know, improve his game and become a lot more of a passing threat. They need some better outside guys in my opinion, but yeah, you know, if they get some better outside guys, better targets for him to throw to, you know, you could see some development improvement. They might win another national championship if they get some outside guys. That's just what's yeah. going to back this time. They they might, and I want to I want to go there in, in just a minute, Trey. I think maybe to to wrap up um, on this, you know, coming into the postseason, we wondered if Michigan's speed would be good enough to compete with the likes of Alabama, and then ultimately with an all star trio of wide receivers. Um, from Washington and that secondary more than stepped up. They they had an elite performance throughout the postseason. It feels like 
and it, it's kind of maybe rich to say this on the night that they win a national championship, but it feels like the one thing that's missing from Michigan is those elite wide receivers. If they were able to add that speed on the outside, we're talking about, I think, a perennial Alabama-Georgia-like competitor. Am I right? You're absolutely right. That's ex- the only thing that's separating them from those dynasties. And it's what's held them back from being a dynasty, quite frankly, because they've been right on the doorstep of it, right? They've been one or two wins away the last three years. Think about if that TCU game goes differently last year. If they're able to somehow find a way to beat TCU, that's going to be a really solid game against Georgia. I don't know that they beat last year's Georgia team, but they have a puncher's chance in that game. And obviously we saw Michigan, Georgia on the field in 2021, but they've been close the last couple of years. And if they had those guys on the outside, on the offensive side of the ball, we're talking about Michigan in the same breath as the height of Nick Saban and what Kirby's building at Georgia. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, the defensive backs stepped up today and they held their own against a talented group of wide receivers. But the best way that they were able to really combat that lack of speed is, you know, they just bullied people and that's their strength. They played to their strength. They didn't try to be a team that they weren't other than a couple of drives there in the second and third quarter, but they just believed in who they were and they bullied the other teams. They bullied Alabama. They bullied Washington and that can overcome a lot of uh, lack of speed if they're able to commit to that. And if you're just quite frankly, more talented than the team that you're up going up against. Well, I think that, I think that Michigan has a bright future as we just confirmed JJ can come back. Will Jim Harbaugh come back is another question entirely. I don't know that we need to speculate because, uh, or at least speculate a ton because there's not a ton of new information out there, but with so many openings at the NFL level, we know Harbaugh has wanted to um, at least explore those options. That's been very, very public. Just kind of one one word, yes or no. Is this Jim Harbaugh's ride off into the sunset, or does he come back for 2024? Yes, it's his ride off into the sunset. I think so, too. It seems like that's where things are heading anyways. A lot of his kind of pregame comments – we're leaning towards that as well, kind of talking like, hey, what's your message for your team? Let's just go have fun, do our best, you know, and that feels like a guy is on his way out regardless. So, I mean, I mean, he's able to now say that he did it and he's done a great thing for his alma mater and that's awesome. But, you know, I think this is probably his moment to to bow out graciously and take his his next chance at the NFL. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. It wouldn't shock me for whatever reason he returns, but he finally has that uh, that accomplishment at the college level. And no one can say that he didn't win the big game. This this was Harbaugh's legacy season to me. And uh, you know, if there is ever a time to leave college and go to the NFL where you don't have to recruit, you don't have to worry about NIL, you don't have to deal with the headache that is modern college sports, it's probably it's probably this season. Um, but we'll wait and see. We'll see if there's any sort of announcement. Um, obviously, no indication as of yet. He he just gets to to bask in the glory of of a national championship. Um, Garrett, we'll see uh, if you have that graphic that I just uh, sent over to you. The way too early CFB top twenty five. Um, this is from on three. Now listen, you know. Uh, Why are we giving these guys? Well, <laughs> because, only because. Uh, I think it's a healthy discussion to go along with the new college football playoff uh, format that heads to 12 teams next season. Starts, as we got word, I believe, earlier this afternoon. It starts on December 20th. The first round games are uh, December 20th, which is amazing to have that through the Christmas holiday. It'll book in Christmas, so you'll get some right before. You'll get the second round right after um, yeah, listen, Trey, you speak for all of us. Uh, on three does a lot of things that we scratch our head and frankly are just clickbaity. But give me your take on this top 25. And for the, the podcast crew that's listening to this the next morning, Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State are the top five. Michigan, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Penn State, Missouri round out the top 10. Seems like there's a lot of recency bias there, right? Ole Miss all the way up to number seven. They have an elite portal class coming in. Um, Penn State, 
seems to always get a nod inside the top 10, even though we don't know what that offense is going to look like. Um, they do have, I think, is it Julian Fleming coming over from Ohio State, a former top wide receiver, um, one of the top wide receiver prospects in the country. Uh, but just give me kind of your your general temperature to uh, to the top 10 specifically. I don't know what Michigan has to do to be ranked above Ohio State in a poll, like <laughs> three times in a row. And win the freaking natty and you're still behind Ohio state. I like, what, what are we doing there? Like even this is a unconsequential poll and you still can't put Michigan ahead of Ohio state. <laughs> that's my, that's my biggest takeaway. Um, You know, I, I think Texas, you know, obviously three sec teams, one, two, three with Texas moving to the sec, two more in the top 10 and a, a couple more scattered throughout the rest of the top 25. It's going to be, a bloodbath in the sec next year, especially with the divisions being scrapped. I think Texas is a little too high. Um, just too many question marks, you know, for me with, uh, they've got a lot of talent coming back, obviously, but I think their weaknesses were exposed in that sugar bowl. And they're not going to be going up against the, you know, Iowa States and, Houston's and other teams like that of the world anymore. It's going to be a big adjustment for them. They have a tough schedule, I guess, um, is what I'm trying to say with the Longhorns. So very interesting top 25. Oklahoma State sneaking in at 22 is interesting as well. Um, down towards the back in Washington, falling all the way to 25. I don't know. I don't know that they fall off that much. I think they're going to be a force in the Big Ten. I don't remember their schedule off the top of my head, but that offense in the Big Ten – could could cause a lot of problems for teams that aren't used to having to keep up with that type of offense. They've got uh, Dylan Gabriel coming in too at quarterback, have, right? So another uh, Dylan Gabriel is going to Oregon. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. But they you're have right. Uh, yeah. Will Rogers. I think Will Rogers. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, wrong uh, transfer. I, I was going to say with this, I hate these way too earlys because number one, you're putting it out specifically for clicks. I get it. It's yep. what it is. Michigan just won the whole thing. They just won the whole thing. They they just proved they were the best team in college football. Put them up there, like put them at number one. What you, I understand it's next year, so like, ooh, what might be next year? But that's also the problem is you know we're gonna have the rest of this transfer window, plus spring practices for people to get hurt and lose spots and whatever else, plus another transfer, transfer window. Yeah, and the second you know the second signing day. And all summer and all of fall for people to decide that they lose their spot. They don't want to play to preserve their red shirt. Nobody has any idea what any of these rosters are going to look like next year. And, and, and you know, that's the funny thing about trying to project this. You know, we we're talking in the chat a little bit about, you know, would Texas be favored next year at Ann Arbor? And I'm like, I can't imagine, you know, it's early in the season and, you know, you just, you just won your national championship game and, 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 you know, it's you know, on the road, and so it's not necessarily favorable for Texas. And then what do the rosters look like? And, you know, we think that both of these teams are going to return a bunch of their talent, but who knows? Like, anything could happen at this point. And so, you know, for me, I'm just looking at this, and I just hate the whole concept of the way too early top 25s. And I understand you want to put them out, you know, five seconds after the game releases, you know. Maybe maybe they've waited until, you know, Judkins announced to Ohio State just so they could right. squeeze Ohio State up above them somehow. But, yeah, I'm not, not my favorite thing. Um, I really have zero opinions on this list because who knows what the rosters are going to look like. Maybe I'll just say Arizona's underrated because they look good. Big, uh, big you got a cigarette energy, right? Like just can't oh, get yeah. enough, have to immediately move on to the next fix. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think – I think Michigan being behind Ohio State, I, this this feels like they just used their dumb uh, NIL evaluation calculator and, and ranked those teams in order through the the, the first few. Um, Quinshawn Judkins did pick Ohio State tonight to transfer away from Ole Miss, but Oklahoma being at twelve, they've lost everybody. That's an absolute crime. Kansas State at sixteen, they've lost everybody. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think a little bit of engagement farming. Um, from this list but with that what I really wanted to, to get to kind of as we uh, maybe move towards the back end of this reaction stream we've all got work in the morning after all uh, 
12 team playoff right around the corner. Uh, and I mentioned it starts early in December. Now we go from December 20th to I think January 19th is the schedule. So it's a month of playoffs. Kind of a two part question. Maybe first, let's talk 12 team playoff. We are now in that era. That is a reality. That's not just something that we see on a video game. What's your anticipation level for the 12-team playoff, and do you expect the level of competition, or at least the product, to improve, or are you just excited to have a bigger bracket? That's a fantastic way to phrase that question, because I'm pumped to have a bigger bracket. I'm pumped to expand access to this tournament, but yeah, the the we'll still get entertaining games on the field, but the product won't be as elite is what we saw in the semifinals. It just won't because we're going to get five versus 12 and six versus 11. And some years that might be an upset, but most of the time there's going to be a couple clunkers in there. We're not going to get, you know, I don't, I don't remember the math, I guess 12, 11 games that are just absolute bangers every single year. That's just not going to happen. And I think that's what a lot of, I think that's what a lot of the playoff naysayers are, you know, throwing out there. Oh, you're just going to get blowouts in the first round. Like no one wants to watch that. I want to watch it. Okay. I want to watch it on <laughs> campus. I want to watch the environment because what that means is we're getting to throw out this senseless debate that we have to have for the four team playoff. And we're getting to move on to where there's no argument. Number 13 does not have an argument that they should be included. Right. And it's most of the time it's going to be very clear who the top teams are. So yeah, I I'm very excited. The product might not be as great in the first couple rounds, but it'll be on campus. And that's yeah. exciting to me. Yeah. And the big thing about that too, Trey is, you know, the whole 13 doesn't have an argument is really going to be true because at a certain point it feels like you're going to be scraping to get those full 12. Exactly. Right. And that's you're going to have to pick between a couple a of People say that's a bug. That's right. fine to me that we're scraping to get 12. I'd rather scrape to get 12 yeah. like the NFL scrapes to get 14 and know that my quarterfinal semis and championship are the right teams. Right. And wonder, okay, would 13-0 Florida State find a way, right? Would they right. – Would are we, are we breaking down injuries to figure out who this last team right. is? That's just ridiculous. Or, or looking at who looked the best and comparing strength to schedule. Let's just take it all out because at a certain point you're arguing over, okay, well, both of these teams are nine and three. So, you know, that team got beat by 40 by number one and that team got beat by 50 by number two. So what do we think is more embarrassing? I don't know. They got the close against number one. Ah, whatever. Just put them in, right? You can right. just slide that last team in at number 12. They'll be happy to go. 13 is going to feel slighted, but nobody's going to care and no one's going to listen, right? You can really feel bad for five and six in this format, but nobody cares about 13 and 14 in, in the new format. And I'm just excited that we get to go to that point. And, you know, maybe we get to find a way to slide some of those G5 guys, or I don't know if it's going to be G7 or however many, you know, conferences yeah. we're going to have and all the decay and everything else. That's for a new, you know, Pac-12 days of our lives, maybe ACC days of our lives this offseason to look forward to. I did see that they're probably going to adjust it. It won't be six auto bids anymore. It'll be five most likely, but that's okay. not official yet. Yeah, I don't know that they've had the vote on that. Um, and the conference has to have eight teams to be considered an auto bid, so the Pac-2 will not get an auto bid. <laughs> dang, it's a dang I, I wish they would have cut it at three. <laughs> like, you gotta have three teams sorry man we're <laughs> already targeting those two already with the eight so yeah they might as well just right. been completely honest with it right right uh trey just to close the loop that is a red hot green bay packers team that's rolling into dallas as the seven seed so so watch watch your mouth there with uh with the, the 11 12 seeds you never know what can yeah, I mean, but look at the afc side man like oh, it's <laughs> terrible oh the steelers being just in send, just send the ravens to the super bowl and you know the nfc will figure out who meets them in a month pretty pretty much i think that's exactly how the nfl playoffs are going to go um guys we didn't have a festivus episode but i think we could i think there are a couple of grievances we could air here maybe as we we in the stream, whether it be broadcast related, whether it be not getting anything on the college football game. Like, is there anything that kind of irked you about this broadcast? Maybe, maybe this ends up being kind of more of a regular segment going into year three. I, I need to I need to jump in on this one. They almost felt depressed that Michigan was doing well. 
that's what at least it sounded like to me because it seemed like every moment they had they're like well and here's an awesome opportunity for washington to respond i'm like they they just scored like they'd be like and quorum barrels into the end zone and now washington's really gonna have to respond and now Penix is gonna and i'm like okay like for a second shut up and celebrate the team that's succeeding at the John moment like smolt syndrome Right. It was just, it was pretty bad. And so I, and, and even at the very end, as they, as they cut to the wide shot and the team runs onto the field and the confetti's raining down, do you know what Herb Street was saying? Washington was saying, and three? No, he was, he, he was saying, oh, you know, Washington will be back. They're really good. They'll be set up for, I'm like, we're currently looking at maize and blue confetti yeah. raining on the field. And they're like, well, you know, Washington got to give them their credit. They'll be back. That's something you say towards the end of the broadcast, you know, kind of in passing. Yeah, you, yes, you don't... you're showing the crying Washington players, not right. the Michigan players celebrating. Right. Yeah. Like at least wait for the clock to tick down to final, right? And and not just like, <laughs> oh, three, two, it's okay. Washington's still really good. And I'm like, well, they should have won the game then. Um, but no, I just it, it seemed to me watching the broadcast that there was a whole lot of Basically, it, it seemed to me there was a whole lot of just kind of, oh, well, you know, that's okay. And I can't believe that it's not going like this. I, I just, I don't know. I It, it seemed disrespectful to me. I feel like you got to let the winning team have their moment. I feel like if you're going to be calling one of these games at the biggest stage, you have to be willing to be excited for both teams when they do something well. And there was so much of that for Michigan. And there just wasn't that much for Washington tonight. And it just was kind of a dead broadcast because of it. There wasn't a whole lot of excitement. It's so weird to me because Fowler Herb Street is out. They're obviously a fantastic crew, like sure. objectively. Because Herbie, I, it really struck me as the first time I like really thought about it. He breaks down every single play, like yeah. every single play. He has like a special insight, and that could get annoying, but it's actually legit good insight on every play. It's like, oh, look at this pulling guard that you might not have noticed or look at this like pick play out here and it's really really good stuff but I feel like together they're almost missing something and like Fowler is fantastic at describing the game he is a great play-by-play man but I don't know that he brings enough energy to counter out counteract Herb Street being super analytical if that makes sense like if you paid paired Herb Street with Gus Johnson it would be a goaded yeah, can we start the motion? Have Gus and Joel call the national championship game? If you can get rid of Joel Clatt, then that's fine. Um, <laughs> but Gus Johnson. If, to if your option that. was Gus and Joel or the what we had tonight, I'm going to Gus and Joel. Mm. I don't love Joel Clatt, but I love Gus. I might. Ah, uh, gosh, that's so I the broadcast. And, and I texted this to y'all uh, right off the top. I asked y'all in our group thread, like. Did the intro feel super flat? Because after the hype video, which was a sick hype video, (laughs) we immediately went to, you know, watching the teams get ready to come out. Last little words that, uh, you know, the the captains are given to the boys. They're walking through the tunnel. And it was like it was Saturday at Augusta between Chris and Kirk. Like (laughs) the vibe could not. Well, here's Michael Penix leading his troops out onto the field. He's been really good this year, Chris. just really, really excited to see what he. It was so pedestrian. <laughs> like, yeah. this is the national championship of one of the most watched sports in in the world. Right. Let's get a little bit of energy going. I mean, geez, pop a five hour energy. Let's figure out what it takes well, to. It's not like the do five gum and let's ride. The conditions were also kind of crazy outside, so it's not like it's a lazy day. Like there was like wind blowing, storms coming through. Like everybody's going crazy. There should be an energy in the building. The roof and, was leaking. Like, there, there was an energy in the building. I don't know if y'all watched towards the end. The Michigan fans going crazy. That was yeah. awesome. And the both fan bases brought it. Like oh, you yeah, could hear the sure. Washington fans. You could hear the Michigan fans. And they stayed in until the very end. Like the the Washington fans stayed in until the end. I was super pumped for them. You know, things obviously didn't go very well for them tonight on offense. Very different game than they normally see. But, I mean, they were they're cheering to the very, very end. They got their money's worth out of those tickets. But, man, just a dead broadcast. I mean, Mitch, you're totally right. He, it was just it's a dumb. dead broadcast. And some interesting commercial choices there towards the end as well. I won't go into too sure. much detail. But there are some interesting commercial choices towards the end about target audience and who might need a cream for what. And the deodorant lady, do you guys get the deodorant lady? Yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. The, yeah. the 
<laughs> talking about deodorant and how she was stinky and how yeah. you can get a deodorant for your whatnot and the who's a what's. And I'm like, this is a college football broadcast. Who do you think is watching this? Oh, this is not, we just got this is not we, the we, WNBA. And we didn't get the NCAA 24 commercial, but we I got know. Well, like three or four times. Listen, listen, we were uh, we were right there pushing. We we had the Bill O'Reilly special, the no spin zone. As much as we wanted the EA trailer or something to drop. We were tweeting Matt from Extra Points who said, guys, the internet is lying to you. I don't <laughs> believe that there's going to be a trailer tonight. And I hated to be Johnny Raincloud, but that was what I kept hearing was they might drop some news. Now, I do think they absolutely dropped the ball. They had millions of us tuned into the game and even more tuned in on social media, waiting for some little piece of cheese as i kept seeing from uh from one of our group threads just give us something to nibble on here at the end of football season and they didn't give us anything and that is concerning even though from from what i've read we're still on track for a july release it's really concerning to me how um how quiet that they've been on absolutely everything in fact i went and checked their Twitter account, the EA College Football Twitter account, hasn't released anything since the end of 2022. So it has now been over a year since they released anything officially. That's just like super. I I know we're all going to go out and buy the game, but it seems like kind of a middle finger to an audience that is just dying to consume this product once again. Yeah, you said it best, man. Like they really dropped the ball tonight and could have had everybody sharing that on social media, everybody talking about it. But I guess it's not important to them. Well, and I thought my favorite tweet of the night about that and, you know, kind of pertained that was the, I think it was the Sidelines Nebraska page. Uh, I think that was the one yeah. that tweeted it yeah, out where they I had the Peter that. Griffin with the EA. I, I just, just want to talk, talk to him. I just want to talk to him. I just want to talk to him. That that's and that's how we felt all all night pretty, long. Pretty fantastic. The the other weird commercial, and I don't know how much of our national audience got this. Waterburger's doing wings now. What is that about? <laughs> man, ever since they yeah. sold to that conglomerate in Chicago, they just been I know. doing too much. Man, they they've been slacking on the basics. Make Waterburger Texan again. The food's yeah. not good anymore. It's not well. It's it's not that I won't order it, but it's it's that's not so what good. it used to be. And yeah. We didn't get the hatch green chili burger this year, and I was no. upset about that. Yeah, drive to New Mexico to get it now. Uh, yeah, I know. I was gonna say, did you drive to Las Cruces for that? No, you, you uh, can yeah. get it in the fall. You've been able to get it in the fall for like years. It's yeah. like a fall staple, and they just didn't bring it back this year, and I was actively upset. Yeah, I Man, thought about the, it times. Come for the championship breakdown, stay for the commercials and fast food takes. <laughs> Man, I love the show. That's exactly right. Um, very, very quickly, Trey, as you just tweeted out, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are the betting favorites to win the national championship in 2024, the 2025 uh, postseason. 17 to 4 odds for those of you on the podcast side, followed by Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Texas. Round out the top five. Um, seems like a who's who of the betting favorites vegas knows how to take people's money and if i was to name uh a top five without you know seeing odds honestly that's probably the top five in some order that i would have come up with i just i want to point out this ohio state eight to one michigan nine to one <laughs> that's just, again li- yeah. truly truly what does michigan have to do that's just petty at this point they're like eight to one no nine to one yeah <laughs> they could have tied them. They're like they basically have the same path to the playoff every year. Just crush the Big Ten. Someone's gonna beat each other. Someone's gonna beat you know whoever else in the Big Ten championship game, and then waltz to the playoffs. That's basically the model well, for both all of these. Teams. All of that kind of gets thrown out the window, at least in theory, right? I mean, the the Big Ten West is is no I, more. The punching bag's gone. I, I know that it's not. I just I don't know that it really changes. I mean, the only thing that really changes is you're gonna get the game. I think twice in a row. Yeah, that might be presumptive. I just I don't know that Oregon or Washington are going to be able to. Yeah, well, that's true. That would truly be sick. A team in three best of three series. Let's get a little baseball. Putting the first two almost guarantees that if one team goes two and zero in those games, that might just push the other one out. But 
Yeah. That would be that would be interesting to say the least. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, I think we get out of here on that very quick promo for what we have coming up in year three of the podcast. Just want to, I mean, quick pat on the back, round of round of applause. A big thanks to you guys. We are entering year three. We are up over well over 150 episodes now. Um, and it is thanks uh, to listeners like you. The YouTube numbers continue to grow. I, I just tweeted out, um, I guess a couple of days ago, I don't normally make our, our numbers public just because that's not why we do this, but uh, we had over 25% growth over the last month. We did over 3 million uh, interactions. And uh, it's really cool to see that uh, not only the content that we're putting out is entertaining, but I think what we keep hearing is that it's quality, it's uh, educational, it's well-informed. And of course, we have hot takes from from time to time. And Garrett is keeper of the hot takes, right? Uh, that's what makes college football fun. We want to keep it spicy. But at the end of the day, we're not just trying to say things for engagement. We're not trying to say things to, you know, make someone mad, get someone in our comments for money. Um, we do this because we love the game and we love covering it. And uh, that has that has been borne out, I think, in the results. So. We've got a whole lot in store for year three. We will go down to one episode a week through the off season, um, but I've already been talking with numerous guests. We want to try new content, um, and we've got some things brand-wise that we think you'll really, really enjoy coming out soon as well. So just stay tuned to the YouTube channel, to our social media, at 3TechPod, for all of that. Um, just just a lot, of, a lot of plans and a lot of things in store. And again, like I said, it, it really, the thanks really start, uh, Trey and Garrett, with with you guys for being a part of this and joining uh, me on this crazy little ride. Um, first two years have been incredible and I think we've grown more than we could have even imagined. So let's, uh, let's shoot for the moon, baby. Absolutely. Shoot for the moon. And when we miss, we'll still be in the stars. Right. There it is. That was, that was Michael Scott, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> love, love ending it with a good office quote. Well guys, that'll do it for year two of the three tech pod, the 2023 college football season, the Michigan Wolverines, your national champions, and that we have a whole lot coming up on our off season content. So make sure you're staying tuned to the YouTube channel, the podcast. If you're over there listening, give us a five-star rating, leave us a review. We'd love to have you be an active member of the Jimmy's and the Joe's for Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for joining us on this journey. More in store. And until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. How about that?